Did I see this? No. Oh, the uh, the dolly. The yeah. yeah. Oh sure. Oh, Great. is that us? Well, it's supposed to be. When, when you who else? When you go into Chat GPT four and ask it to oh, create no. an image that looks like somebody, it does like a vague interpretation of that person. So I assume that is what he did. Oh God, I saw it and I was just like, "Here's fucking this this asshole doing this again." I, he I won't didn't stop. Consider. I did not consider it. Wait, he no, won't stop. I wonder if he described both of you separately to to come up with these or. Well, yeah, you can. Have you? Do you ever use it? GPT four like I've never thing. used because that's the paid one, right? Mm-hmm. I've never how, used that. How one. is this us? Well, so it won't. You have to be. I'm not good at GPT prompts, but if you don't specifically, there's a way to get it to make somebody look exactly like another person, but it will not do that on its own. Like it will just do a vague like interpretation of what those two people might look like. So here we get two, you know, white guys. So <laughs> Which one a, am I? You're the one on the right. Why? How do you know? It, it has to be he's the one on the right. My hair is more similar to the one on the left. I'm more likely to wear a plain white t-shirt and the guy on the right <laughs> is shorter. You're more likely to wear a plain white t-shirt. Of course. It's such a funny thing to say. Of course. I, yes, I know. I have no t-shirts. I'm, I'm no, full. I'm just saying. I'm All saying. t-shirts are, uh, I'm a, are graphic'd. Okay, then, then let's, let's, let's take this back we a can't, moment. But we can't see the guy's front anyway. But for sure. I don't have pants like either of those. But, but CJ... If you me, were to guess who is who, people are probably. If you were to guess who is who, um, I, I don't, I don't see any. They just look like two normal. But you have white to guess, fellas. Literally nothing from it's either truly, of them. Truly nothing. Yeah, yeah. but I'm it's telling like, you, you have to pick one. If there was like one a, little, it, it's a coin flip. Like what if they're uh, both whatever like I purple say, blobs, and you have to pick one. Like and I would also say the guy on the left's hair is more similar to my hair than the guy on the right. Yeah, but do you think Daryl put in something about the difference between your hair no, and Mike's I, hair? I think what he said was make a an right. image that looks like Spike Eskin and Mike Levin from the Rights Ricky Sanchez podcast trying mm. to get to a bell that is behind a fence. And by the way, this fucking ridiculous image, uh, like, okay, so here's the best part of it. The, the fence that it created has a giant hole in the middle of it. We could just go through that hole in the middle of the yeah. fence where there's no bars. Do you notice well, everyone think, in the well, in the background? Not, not to de- decipher the image, but I think what is happening is, I guess I, the one in the <laughs> sweatshirt, making a very scowling sort of golemy face. Sure, is has broken into it and oh. I'm pulling it back. It's not just and why is there to be open? Why are there? If you look deeper into it, CJ, please keep this in the regular pod because this is too important now. Sure. The, uh, can you see that everyone waiting beyond the fence, they're all old-timey guys? Old-timey, and they're watching, and they're Puppets. doing nothing about us breaking into nothing. the bell. So they're old-timey, and it, they have flags. Are we breaking into January 6th? Uh, yes, to ring the bell. That was our intention. We, we got caught up in some of the stuff the other guys were doing, but we really just wanted to ring the bell. And we went to the wrong place also, because... Because why would we go to DC to ring the bell? That doesn't make any sense. But, so we made some mistakes, but uh, we did get to ring the bell. Made a lot of friends that day. Um, a lot of good people on both sides. So many. Yeah, so many. Huh. We were the, we were the ones that they were talking about. Some guys yeah. were just here to ring the bell. That was it. Oh goodness gracious! Also, where's the bell hanging from? It's just floating, it's suspended in, in the, the air. air. Yeah, 
It's a very smart, smart system. Good stuff. And yeah, why is the Liberty Bell there in DC? It's good question. <laughs> or maybe this is Philadelphia in the 1700s. That, maybe that's why right, it's old timey. I don't know what jeans, yeah. bad hair. Yeah, all that stuff, so. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Okay. There you go. You got the filter. And if you're listening to the pod, that's what you're missing by not watching it on YouTube. One of us is wearing Nike Dunk Lowe's 1776s, which is <laughs> a cool release of it on there. The Rights to Ricky Sanchez podcast is presented by DraftKings Sportsbook. Sign up for DraftKings Sportsbook by using promo code RTRS and brought to you by LL Pavorsky Jewelers, where Rights to Ricky Sanchez listeners go and get engaged. Fly the process. Join us and fans of Philly as we go to Los Angeles to see Sixers Clippers in March. Find out more at rightstrickysanchez.com slash fly. Cornblow and Cornblow, the official law firm of the process and stateside urban craft vodka, the official sponsor of the Corner 3 newsletter with Zoe. Sign up at rightstrickysanchez.com slash newsletter. On the show today, Embiid's mysterious injury causes him to miss another game, but Tobias saves the day who we've always believed in. B-Ball Paul could be turning a corner, one of the most important jigsaws of all time. And from a listener, who has a better chance to get to the finals, the Sixers or the Clippers? Stateside Urban Crab Vodka is the sponsor, longtime sponsor of the Reiki. You know, you're seeing stateside billboards everywhere for Surfside Iced Tea and Vodka. You're seeing all this stuff. You know where they first advertise? First, the first stateside partner? Us. 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 So stateside vodka is made in Philadelphia, is gluten-free, is fucking filtered 27 million times, and is the best vodka available. But then they stepped in with the Surfside Iced Tea and Vodka, the best canned alcoholic beverage they make. Surfside Iced Tea and Vodka, just 100 calories, just a few grams of sugar, the perfect amount of sweetness, tastes better than any other drink in its class, and no bubbles, because iced tea does not have carbonation. Go to statesidevodka.com, try a... A, uh, a sampler pack or go to your local beer distributor. I guess that's where you get it, beer distributor, if you're in Pennsylvania. Anyway, without any further ado, Amos and the chef. Welcome to the Rights to Ricky Sanchez podcast. I'm Spike Eskin, along with the guy on the right. That is one Mike Levin. <laughs> Ridiculous. Ridiculous assumptions. Ridiculous. There we go. Yeah, thank you, CJ, for flipping them to make Mike on the right. So, you know, the Sixers had looked, had lost three in a row before Friday night's game against the Kings, all three without it, Joel Embiid. They had moments where they looked pretty good, but overall looked pretty helpless. And I have to say, even though 
It was on the heels of a Tobias game that we may never see again. It was a game that was much needed. And the Sixers win over the Kings put me in a little bit better of a place because I was about to, I wouldn't say sound the alarms, but with the why is Joel Embiid's knee swollen plus losing, 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 it was starting to put me in a bad place. So it was just like, I felt like it was a well-timed, well-played win. Necessary win against a pretty good team out West um, where Pascal Siakam should want to get traded to. Sacramento seems like a lovely destination for a few months here and there out of the year. Uh, yeah, definitely necessary, man. This, the Embiid news was bad. The, the, the defense had been bad. The rebounding is still bad. But I, I thought, look, the, cat, the, the Kings missed a ton of shots. They shot 33.7% from the field. I'll they take were it. 8 of 38 from 3. And it's hard to always ascribe the, de- the defense being the reason why they missed those shots. Or just luck when you're taking 43s. You know, there's a lot of variance in yeah. there. Sometimes there's bad nights, all that stuff. Sometimes the Sixers play shitty when the defense doesn't do anything about it. But I did think that this was one of their better defensive games I've ever seen them play without Joel. I thought they moved really well. I thought it was Maxie's best defensive game of his career, maybe. It's just his activity. Um, He uh, scrambled really well. I thought he switched pretty seamlessly. Like rotating whenever his teammates helped. It seemed like he was just anticipating that help and, and and was rotating down to the guy that they just left. Um, he blocked a Keegan Murray mid-range from behind. That was really nice. He, I mean, it was just a really great defensive effort from from Maxi. I thought. Um, and then a team defensive effort to to keep Demata Sabonis from, from having yeah. a good game. He had two points in the first half, finished with 14. I mean, he's absolutely one of the one of the best front court players in, in the West. And and he didn't do much. They just really I thought Tobias was great on him. I thought uh B Ball Paul and Mobamba protected the rim really well. It was just a really good defensive effort, um, helped by the fact that the Kings missed a fuckload of shots. But I thought that it was, especially without Joel there to clean everything up, I thought it was a great, great defensive uh, performance from the team. Yeah, you mentioned it toward the end. It So much... I, I When we talk about Joel Embiid, or when I specifically talk about Joel Embiid being the most valuable player in the league, it is impossible to find another player in the NBA whose entire offense is predicated and built around this player and their entire defense is built around this player. And that, that leads to problems on both sides when the player's not there <coughs> because so much of what they practice and what they do depends on that player and almost built in that way. So I, I think on, from a defensive standpoint, if B-Ball Paul and Mo Bama do not play well defensively, it is impossible for them to not play well. Like they have to, in these games, play well. And I thought Bamba played well, played inspired, but I thought this was the second straight game where Paul Reed looked like he was sort of figuring out where he should be and what he should do. And I thought it was in a, a very, very strong Paul Reed game. Had a couple of offensive, I think two offensive rebounds, but was fighting for them. Five. But even, what's that? What's that? Bebo Paul had five offensive rebounds. Oh, there you go. Five offensive rebounds. Two that I remember. And then and then defensively, he was like he has to be he's switchable, which is good, but he has to be like imposing at the rim. And he blocked a few shots at the rim. Even a couple of fouls I thought were 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 weak. And and but also 
like smart. I thought there was one on, was it on Murray where he just like basically pushed him over, you know, like the, the team has to think about going to the rim. And, and I thought, I thought Reed did a really good job. I thought it was, I thought the last two games were probably his best two games of the year, even though there was one, you know, one shot got him benched in the previous yeah. game. I thought he played well over, overall. Yeah, for sure. He's still, he, you know, he hit like a catch and shoot baseline 15 footer. Yeah. He's comfortable taking them. He's comfortable taking them. I don't know that he should be, but it's, it's hard to be Nick Nurse and go like, I want to empower you to feel like you can do this thing. You're not just a robot out there. But also, if you do something too bad, I will yank your ass <laughs> on the bench. Um, the home crowd, it really feels like... They're terrified. They're terrified of people. It, it feels yeah. like if Nick doesn't pull them, sometimes the home crowd is going gonna, is gonna to come out and, and get yep. him out of there. Anytime he takes a jump shot, it's like this is the entire uh, justification for having him on the team. If it goes in, it's right. If yep. it doesn't, then get him out, get him off, trade him for nothing. It, feel, it feels like so much is riding on that. Um, I loved the two short roll passes from B-Ball Paul to Nick Batum. One yeah. was a lob. Nick Batum, as we know from that athletic dunking article, does not dunk anymore, but finished with a layup. And, and he put it right in the right spot, by the way. B-Ball put, right put that right ball. Spot. Yep. He, there's an argu- argument to be made. I've seen enough that he's the best lob thrower on this team. Uh, and then finding Batum later for a weak side corner three. Very B-Ball Draymond of him. I was very impressed by that. I love him so much, obviously. He does have to stop fading on layup attempts. And I think Marcus Morris actually pulled him aside one time when he went up kind of soft, like he was going to go do some like, you know, jelly hand to like, just go, you're 6'11 and you're long. And you go can down. shoot free throws, by the way. Like if they yeah, foul, you're fine. Exactly. Yeah. And you're, yeah. that's what Simmons always did. That's frustrated me so much is that like, it's not like every time you go up strong, you are going to uh, finish or get fouled or dunk either one of those but if you go you have to be going towards the basket you cannot be fading away with layup attempts and Simmons always was like leaning the opposite way not doing a straight line drive to the basket which he could dunk over anybody and he was so fast obviously and B-Ball Paul is doing that a little bit more like not the up and under stuff that's fun but the sort of fade away hooks I, I would like that to to stop and I think I was I want the teammates to do what I can't do which is grab Paul by the lapel and say dunk that fucking shit, bro. Um, and well, it was, that's it, that's the. By the way, that's PJ Tucker's role. Like, yes. If if they do release him and allow him to sign him with any team, I would be one hundred percent for having PJ Tucker on the team so he can yell at Joel and be ball Paul in the playoffs. Yeah, they they can't because he's got two years left in the contract. So oh. the, what the plan is there? Uh, um, no, he doesn't. He's one year after this. Yes, but okay. this year and then yeah, another year. Okay. He can, yeah, they right. can't buy him out for uh, yeah shit. Um, Bamba was just great, dude. Like he was just really, really good. I he needs to be taking those catch and shoot threes on like pick and pop stuff. Um, I thought his action was all over the place. Length, shot blocking, uh, offensive rebounding that he was drawing fouls on them because of his activity. They had to like hold him down. Um, they rewarded him with a, a screen and roll here and there. Finished a couple times off the off the roll. That was nice. It's just when it when it works. When things are going well, you're like, why can't it be like this all the time? This seems like it should be. Especially because, you know, maxi-wise, I love watching how when Joel's off the floor or not playing, I love watching how teams cover Maxi as he gets better. And Sacramento is the first team that I can I can remember that they just kept blitzing him over and over again. It yeah. was not a 
it was not a situation where like, oh, we're going to surprise him with a blitz or we're going to mix it up. Like it was every pick and roll. We are taking the ball out of his hands. And that was cool to see. That's respect. And Maxie had to make a bunch of plays. You know, first, I think he was surprised by the consistency that it was happening. So he had kind of made some like backpedaling, uh, like lob passes to the high post or whatever as he's falling away. But then he started anticipating it and was using B-Ball Paul and Mo Bamba as a, as a short roll guy and trusting them to make those plays. And they were making it. And I thought that, that was it was cool that, that he was trusting them to do that. And it was cool that um, that they were rewarding him with that. And there was a quote from Maxi after the game that I think Dan Ollinger uh, posted on Twitter was like Max, Maxi basically saying, Paul, he calls him period. He should call him B-Ball, but he calls him period. And he's like, I want you to, I went through three years. Like you do this stuff. You have to get every offensive rebound, every hustle play, all that stuff. Like go back to being you, which I think is Maxie saying like, stop trying to do this shit. I do. <laughs> yeah. um, stop but, cooking. Uh, stop yeah, cooking. But I think everybody loves Paul. And I think he does, uh, even though they, they coach him hard, even though the players coach him hard. I think it's a, it was good to see him be successful out there and, and, and be rewarded with that. The Rights to Ricky Sanchez podcast brought to you by a big B-Ball Paul fan. That is L.L. Pavorsky Jewelers, where Rights mm. to Ricky Sanchez listeners go and get engaged. L.L. is a big B-Ball Paul guy. I've told the story numerous times on the podcast, but it is important for you to know that L.L. Pavorsky Jewelers is the first sponsor ever on the Rights to Ricky Sanchez podcast. It's important to, for you to know that he sponsors the pod because he specifically asked us to sponsor the podcast when we had none. And we told him no for a while. Yeah. He's almost single-handedly responsible for the money I make on this podcast, <laughs> which is good, which especially during the strike really helped me out a lot. Yeah. It really, really did. He was, he, he was the proof case and still is the proof case that being a partner of the podcast works. And, but it only works if you are the kind of person like LL that runs the kind of business like LL. Our listeners know if you are bullshit or not. And our listeners have to be treated differently than everybody else. They have to be treated better. And LL understands that if you were to buy an engagement ring from anywhere, it has to be from LL Pavorsky Jewelers. If you need an engagement ring, you can join the over 350 other Rights to Ricky Sanchez listeners have, who have purchased engagement rings from LL. You're going to get one-on-one -on -one personal service. You're going to get no pressure. You're going to get treated amazing whether you're spending a hundred grand on a ring or a thousand grand, a thousand dollars on a ring, whatever it is, he is going to treat you great. You're going to get a great ring at a great price from a great guy and probably give you a Ricky t-shirt too. If you want to talk to LL about purchasing engagement ring, you got to make an appointment. That is because he wants to be able to spend the proper time with you. 215-627-2252. Send an email to lee at llpavorsky.com or tweet at him at llpavorsky. And, oh, and he supports our charities, Mama T's Community Fridge and Providence Animal Center. LL Pavorsky Jewelers. Would storm the wrong capital to ring the bell with you. <laughs> so we got this call about Tobias to 833 Lickface. You thought watching Joel Embiid stat pad for 30 in the waning seconds of a third quarter was funny. Well, just you wait until we watch one Tobias Harris try to get to 40. Shot selection includes a step back long baseline two and multiple straight on threes that were taken as if they were catch and shoot, but he just dribbled into them and shot them the exact same way. Then almost patronizingly being serenaded with the crowd yelling, 
Toby, Toby, Toby. But the broadcast couldn't figure out if they were yelling 40, 40, 40 or Tobias, Tobias, Tobias. But every Sixer fan's like, no, they're yelling Toby, Toby, Toby. And then eventually with 440 to go, Nick Nurse says, nah, all right. Uh, okay. But this, this is enough. I mean, the whole team was giving him the ball. Oh my God. That was glorious. So Tobias has never scored 40 in his career. No. And did have an opportunity to do it last night. So close. It, it was an aggressive, good Tobias game that they absolutely needed to win this game. And we're not going to get all of these in the, the games that, that Embiid has gone. But like the offense has got to come from somewhere, not just Maxi. And it came from Tobias last night. And it was hilarious seeing him gun for 40. It was a bummer he didn't get it. Yeah, absolutely. It did, be, it did turn into like uh, get the uh, high school team manager a basket <laughs> yes. uh, in a blowout. Yeah. for Tobias, which is funny because he did already have several of them, but uh, didn't quite do it. Missed his last like five shots, I think. Uh, but yes, it was Daddy Touch Night at the Wells Fargo Center. <laughs> and he kicked ass, man. He was uh, he, he he always punishes mismatches. If he gets somebody that's that's too that's too small for him, he's going to go up and, and finish nicely. But uh, when there's guys like Harrison Barnes or Keegan Murray or wants Kano Anderson like he was just really on point as far as getting his shoulder into wherever he has to get to uh finishing with a short jumper floater where he wants pivoting like a madman all that stuff and I liked seeing that in combination with taking seven threes hitting three of them getting to the line uh and dunking his ass off three dunks in the first half three dunks a big one of them was an and one for me um, and again, like I said, I think he ended up with four or five total dunks. Oh, I only saw three, but okay. I think uh, it was four, but yeah, he's, I mean, and, and the defense was excellent. Like he really, he had three steals. Um, he's, he's stoned Sabonis repeatedly, which is not an easy guy to, to stand up to physically, but I thought it was an excellent Tobias game. And every time Tobias does this, we have to say like, well, we can't depend on, well, it's not going to happen every time. It's like, obviously no one thinks that no one thinks Tobias is going to score 37 points on 25 shots every night, whether Embiid is there or not, but necessary win, necessary kind of blowout win yep. against a good team. Took it I don't seriously. think it dipped below 12. I think it, once they got it up above that, I don't, I think it kept getting to 12 and they kept pushing it back to, you know, that 18, 16 to 20 range. It was yeah. comfortable the entire time. A really comfortable win. And, and Sacramento was good. Sacramento was good. And they have two really difficult to stop offensive players and holding that team to 93. Again, a lot of it is them just missing shots, but I do think that it was a cohesive defensive effort, especially mm -hmm. without Joel. And, uh, there was a Tobias, did the ESPN interview after the game and uh, he was talking a lot about how intense the practices was and the last few days. And he was, so the, I think the sideline reporter was like, so it seems like you need to do more of that. And he was like, he had like a very gaunt look in his eyes. He's like, no, I, I don't want to do that. Maybe not. Um, Tobias up to 30 dunks on the season, at least per basketball reference that once again would put him on pace for, a career high, but we've been here before. We know he can he can tease us with early season dunks and late season layups. So we're monitoring. So before we we move on to 
probably the most important jigsaw in the history of the Reiki. Joel Embiid missed the game again. So Nick Nurse suggested that he expects him to play or trending toward playing against Houston. But here is a sort of two-report, one-two punch from this week about his knee. And remember, we haven't heard anything about his knee this year at all. It's been the ankle And then there was that little thing in the beginning of the Nick game where it looked like he tweaked his ankle, but maybe it was the knee, whatever. Then all of a sudden he's out with knee soreness the next game, next four games. Ramona Shelburne in a podcast says, I mean, look, with, uh, I think with Woj, with Woj, I mean, look, that knee injury is the same one he had going into the playoffs last year. And during the playoffs, I mean, he had to go, but it's the kind of injury that's normally a four to six week injury. And he just played after a little while off because they were in the playoffs and you just got to try it. It's a thing he had to nurse over the summer. It's just sort of always there. I think that with this latest one, look, he wants to play and that 65 game threshold that you guys are all very aware of this year, of course, for him to win MVP or be all NBA. Then... She corrects and everybody corrects and says, she says to clarify, the issue that caused Embiid to miss the most recent time is swelling in his left knee, not the same issue he managed in the playoffs. There's currently not a long-term concern and he is considered day-to-day per a source. So here is my thing with the fishiness. If it is a different knee, why is it swollen? (laughs) What is the injury? You're a, 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 a... I know we're never going to get this answer, but when you, when you have swelling in a certain part of your body, that swelling is a reaction to an injury or something. Swelling doesn't just happen. Swelling happens because there's an infection. Swelling happens because there's irritation. That's why swelling is there. So if it is a different knee, why is his knee swelling causing him to miss a week, of, a week and a half of games? That's my, I hate to be back here again. And this fucking injury fucking wilderness that we've been in for, you know, 85% of the, the 11 years we've been doing the podcast or 10 plus years we've been doing the podcast. But what is this vague swelling he has if it isn't the other name? Could That's be a dildo thing. in there? Should they put a dildo in there? Is that no maybe idea. the way to help That's it? That's the problem. It's swelling because of a lack of dildo. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's a bummer. It's a bummer. It's a bummer that we're back here. Uh, with vague Joel injury updates and him playing a, a, a ton of minutes in a game then sits for four straight or whatever. Uh, they do have a back-to-back, both games on national television. Solid job from the schedule makers here. Mm-hmm. Um, it's Houston on MLK Day and Denver against a particular player on TNT. Um, which one do you think he plays in? He's going to play in one. He's got to play in the Denver game. My bet is Denver also gives him another day. And also, I don't know if this is part of the calculus, but Houston's on N- is on NBA TV. And I think he'll be like, all right, it's fine. And the Sixers <laughs> just won one. So I think I think Denver also. I think he, because he missed the other Denver game, didn't he? The other Denver game. Was there another Denver game this year? I don't remember. No, they haven't I played thought, Denver thought, this I year. I thought that there was, but. No, I don't, I don't think they um, played Denver, Denver this year. But yeah, it's, look, it, it sucks. It sucks. Yeah. Glad he got his 30 and 10. That's huge. Everyone's I'm raising a banner in all of the places I live, stand. I'm raising a banner everywhere. I, I'm going to the store. I'm raising a banner. 30 and 10 streak. First one. We all know it. 
uh, that was stupid. This is dumb. Hopefully he's healthy. That's it. But I like this being a reverse of regular Sixers January when, um, well, the if you remember Joel's first year, his first year that he played, yes, there was an ESPN game, Sixers Rockets. Oh yeah 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 yeah. Joel, the, the one where he came back in and he shouldn't have, and then all of a sudden he didn't miss because he was going at Harden. Remember, yeah. it was like sort of him and Harden. I remember that well. Yes, was, I was at that game. You were at the game. Yes. Uh, I was watching with a family friend. Um, it was a very wonderful moment back then, and then he didn't play the rest of the season. So the fact that, and that was in January, I'm pretty sure it was in January. So we are back to January Rockets. Hopefully the history does not repeat itself. I think he will probably play in the Denver game as well. Frustrating. Frustrating that, that we deal with this, but I don't particularly give a shit about the 65 game threshold. No, I like, just care more about matters. what's... He won the MVP already. The thing that matters is like being healthy for the playoffs. I care about what's 30 and 10 fucking streak. Jesus I Christ. care about what's going on. You yeah, know, like no, what is, what, what is the deal is my, no, my big question. And they really, they can't rebound without him. It's, it's crazy. Like as good as some of those guys are, they're, they're just not Pat, Pat Beverly led the team with nine defensive rebounds. And I think that's partially because like guys can't both box out and also get the sky for the rebound and, and sort of Russell Westbrook style, letting Pat Bev get those rebounds, but they're just as a team, not capable enough at rebounding without Joel and I would say Covington as well. So it's time to do a jigsaw. So, but this is very important. Mike knows it's important. CJ knows it's important. It's jigsaw. Play. I will play this game. Game play. I will play this game. I miss you. I will play this game. I- I'm worried. Play. I will play this game. And after the game, they were interviewing him, and they said, how does it feel to win the ultimate game? And he said, if it's the ultimate game, why are they playing it again next year? Did we ever find out the answer to that? No, it's one of humanity's biggest mysteries. Yeah, if they're playing... If- it's the ultimate game. Why are they playing again next year? Yeah, I mean, there should have been one NBA championship and then nothing since. Yeah, that, that would prove that it's the ultimate game. That's right. So Jigsaw is when I give Mike two choices and Super he has... Super wild card championship. Yeah. They could call that. Yes. Maybe. The Jigsaw is when I give Mike two choices and he has to pick one of them. It's just would you rather with a better name. But the we have three Jigsaws and the third one is actually not for Mike. That is the tease. We have three jigsaws. The third one is the most important one, and it is not for Mike. Mike, the first one comes from Mark. Here are your two choices for the rest of your life. One, you always have to be wearing a 4XL shirt that says orgasm donor on it. Okay. Second choice is for one year, your fly is always down. After a while, you aren't even embarrassed by this, but are instead annoyed every time someone tells you your fly is down and you have to say, I know, but cannot offer further details. I'm going to go with the fly. Yeah. I think the way that they make jeans, you don't always It's hard see to tell. It. It's, yeah. yeah. It's not like it's like wide open. It's not like you're like, bah! like here it is. It's not like the, uh, you know, say a, an AI generated image of a bell hiding behind, uh, suspended from midair, uh, hiding behind a fence that Daryl Morey tweeted at us. Uh, it is a little bit more closed than that. So I'm not going to go with the orgasm donor yeah. shirt. Yeah, I also, though I get great reaction every time I wear my orgasm donor t-shirt. The, I bet. Yeah, the the fly thing. I've forgotten my fly a number of times and nobody said anything. Maybe they just think I'm trying to show off my dick. All right, second one. 
not not the special one, but a good one. Second one. From Jacob, every time you get erect, you have to add a small amount of horseradish to any sandwich or burger you eat. This is cumulative and eventually leads to an untenable sandwich to burger to horseradish ratio. Two, wait, you have to wait. Wait, 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 wait. Yes. So every time I get erect while I'm making a burger or a sandwich? No, every time you get erect, it adds to the amount of horseradish you have to put on a sandwich slash burger the next time you eat it. And so it's... so. Each time it adds more to what you're saying. So like if I have like five ounces one time and I eat that burger and then the next time I have it, I will have to, it'll be like seven ounces. Is if you have saying? two more erections. Yeah. Okay. Okay. And the second option is you have to wear eight inch heels at all times. Mike may be able to dunk effortlessly now, but landing would be difficult and his perimeter defense would take a step back. Spike could pull them off properly. Jacob says. Yeah. It would be tough for me to play, play D in eight inch heels. Um, <laughs> I like horseradish. Yeah. I mean, it's just, you're just eventually never going to eat sandwiches or burgers again. It'll yeah. just be too much horseradish unless you can train yourself to never have any more boners. Yeah. I mean, I would, I would train myself to probably be walkable in those heels, but it does seem like extremely painful and eight inches is really sizable. And I do like uh, playing basketball and not, and not wearing heels. Um, so I'm going to go horseradish and, uh, and, and, uh, not get erect as much as I can. Okay. And the next one involves some pictures. The final Jake saw CJ, if you could put up the photos of Sun and Steven. So there is Sun and Steven on the left. That is at Live Ricky 5, I believe, because there's a little kid on stage. And that was the, the Live Ricky that we had little kids on stage. And right there they are at Fly the Process in Austin. So this jigsaw comes from Sun and is for Stephen. Stephen, I have a jigsaw for you. Would you rather have the Eagles, Sixers, and Phillies win each of their championships, or would you choose to marry Sun? This is a proposal jigsaw. I'm going to go with Eagles, Phillies, Sixers championship. <laughs> That's mine. Wait, is that you making the decision for no, no, no. Steven? I, it's when we have a guest, we let them okay. answer and then I answer. And so okay. because Steven's not here, I'm going to answer now. Okay. But he can choose differently. Yes. I he, hopefully he did. And it's a good thing this podcast is after a Sixers win. It would be a bummer if he just didn't, <laughs> if he didn't listen to the podcast. Right, because they lost. About a loss. Yeah, four yeah. in a row fucking these guys. So hopefully he has said yes. Mm-hmm. We'll find out. I it could get, they could text me. I do have... I do have son's phone number and her wow. friend's phone number because that's where they were giving me the information. They were texting me the info. So Steven, will you marry son? Or I suppose she does have the ability to give you Eagles, Sixers and Phillies championships. That'd be cool. Yeah. And we've shown your picture. So when the, when those teams do not win championships over the next several years, which one you picked? Yeah, they can find you. So, wow. Just finding different ways for people to get married on this podcast. Yes. Live shows. Yep. During uh, niche segments, yep. After two straight uh, penis choices, yep. Um, people be out here making decisions. <laughs> you better, they better go to LL. That's all. I'm they saying. better go to LL. So before we get to Star Hunter, speaking of them being at Fly the Process in in San Antonio, we have another Fly the Process this year. We are going to Los Angeles to see Sixers versus Clippers in March. 
you should come with us. Go to writestorickysanchez.com slash fly. We always go with fans of Philly who make everything easy and awesome. We will be at an awesome hotel right near the venue. We'll all go to the game together. We'll have a couple of events that weekend where we can all hang out. You will get the commemorative t-shirt. We've had a number of awesome fly the process. I was thinking of all of them. So Brooklyn was when Boyan Bogdanovich destroyed us and scored like 50 points. Um, That was a bus trip. Then we had DC where we all wore the fuck Andrew Sharp t-shirts and that the wizard security was waiting to, for us to misbehave so they could kick us all out. And we almost weren't allowed on the court. Then we went to Milwaukee where we got on TV then we went to the to Minnesota where we reunited the process core four. And then we went to Indiana um, where TJ came to our New Year's Eve party. And then last year, San Antonio, where we all got the uh, the speech from Brett Brown. So it was awesome. LA is going to be awesome. Go to writestreakysanchez.com slash fly. If you want a trip, uh, like a custom package, whether maybe you're already in California or you're coming from a different place or you don't want to travel, send an email to joe at fansoffilly.com. Fly the process, Los Angeles. Join us. It's Star Hunter time. Mike, Per listener suggestion, we have a better Star Hunter intro. Are you ready? Let's hear it. We are star hunting for a star. That's how you win a championship. Star hunting. Star hunting. Star hunting. Star hunt. Star hunt. Star hunt. Star star hunting. Star hunting. Star hunting. Do you like it? I mean, it loses its steam once it just repeats the same thing a couple times, like it's about to, a beat is about to drop. Yeah. But uh, I do like Brett saying we're star hunting. For what? Oh, for a star. Well, I, I put that, to... so that was in a different order. I just okay. like the way it sounded. It does it, sound pretty yeah. good. <laughs> so here we are in Star Hunter. Whether the Sixers, we're, we're less than a month away from the trade deadline. Just a couple of notes from Rumorville this week from Tim McMahon. Quote, I've been told the Utah Jazz will listen to any listen on anyone on the roster. With Laurie Markinen, he's not untouchable, but it's going to take one of your untouchables to get him. This is per Chris Haynes. Thank you, David Early from Liberty Ballers for transcribing. The people I've spoken to, rival executives all above, they believe that they, Pascal, and the Raptors are on the verge of parting ways. Philly, Indiana, they are prime teams to look for. And finally, Bobby Marks says Philadelphia is interesting because if you're the Sixers, I think you're trying to hedge your bet. They're going into 55 to $60 million of cap space, but who for? The ultimate goal is to combine the trade deadline and free agency, whether you're going out and getting one or two guys now, and then having the option to either retain your free agents or go out and do something in free agency. The worst case scenario is for Philadelphia to go into free agency with 60 million in cap space. To get there, you basically have to renounce everyone on your roster. You want proof on teams with three max players that it doesn't work? Look at Phoenix. I'm not ready to pour dirt on them, but we're seeing right now when you have three guys making $40 million contracts and nine guys making $2 million. So the first thing, I don't think the Sixers have enough to get Larry Markkinen, even though he would be perfect here. Are you in that same camp? I agree. I think, they, I think Danny Ainge is not going to just settle for what, the Sixers can offer. There's no, there's no, obviously Maxi is not going to go. So it's going to be whatever players outside of Maxi and Embiid they want plus the picks. Marketing is signed to like an extremely low, low contract. So you can't even like stack that much. Yeah. He's very good, but I mean, I think he's probably going to go somewhere else or, or odds are they just keep him. 
Yeah. I mean, there's no reason why it's not like he's 27. He still has five years left of super productive time, you know, and Utah's not horrible. They're not like far away. Like they're pretty good team. So well, they're far away in, in that, like, this isn't like a sustainable thing, but they could add to, it's not like they're going to keep building to a championship. They're not San Antonio or Oklahoma city last year or whatever it is. So, um, they're right now they're aiming for the middle, but they have the picks to at least dig yeah. themselves out of it. If, if they, if they want to at a certain point, as for Siakam, I don't know. We got a couple of calls on the voicemail line, sort of, um, backing the idea of trading for Siakam. I guess I just don't believe they're going to trade for him. I don't know. Where are you on that? It's just like, he's just not that much better than Tobias. He's better than Tobias. He's better defensively. He's better at creating for others. But he's an even less willing slash good three-point shooter. And you're tr- they're not going to go... It's You have to trade all your stuff for him still. If it was Tobias and like one pick, then maybe. But I don't think that's what it's going to take. I, I think somebody else can trade for him. I think Indiana makes a lot more sense. Um, I... I really think what's going to happen is they trade for one of the players on a with, with a couple more years left on their deal at like low cost. So that's a lo, low-ish, like not Zach Levine price. And so that's DeJounte Murray, that's Bogdan, that's Marcus Smart. That would be Larry Markkinen if possible. Um, uh, nobody else really fits that bill, like Caruso kind of. Um and then the guys, the fringe guys from the Nets are solid, but probably not going to do the trick. Dorian Finney-Smith, Royce O'Neal, Cam Johnson. So I think that's what they're going to do. And then try to sign somebody, keep themselves available in the in the event that somebody becomes available this offseason and wants to sign into the Sixers cap space. I would agree. I, I think DeJounte Murray will be cost prohibitive if you are thinking... Like, I don't think he'll cost nothing, but I, he feels like a two first round pick trade yeah. to me. And yeah. I also don't think he's, don't want him. So, um, so now he, I want you to listen to this one argument for Siakam. Hey guys, I'm calling uh, because I'm watching Denver for probably only the second or third time this year. And I know, you know, the conference finals are the ultimate goal for us this year, but looking at, what the finals would look like. I'm watching this Denver team against the Pelicans, which is a big team. And it's just like, God damn, Denver starting five is big. You know, Jokic, Gordon, and Michael Porter Jr., they're huge and athletic and capable. And it's really selling me on the prospect of Siakam. More, I, I was not a Siakam guy I, I don't I didn't want to gun for Siakam previously but like man if you really look at the end game and and you also consider the size of the Celtics too whew, we need size and we need speed you know and skill and on on both both ends of the court just watching this Denver team who who swept their way to the finals and to the championship last year it just seems like that's the answer. I, I, I might be wrong. There's definitely a million different 
answers. Shit, man. I, I think Siaka might be might be the right piece. Uh, it's going to be ugly in a regular season, but let's think about think about the playoffs. Think about deep in the playoffs and who we're going to face if we do make it that far, which is that the goal. Yeah. And- so thinking about Boston and like the number of sort of like long rangey players that they have, he does fit that sort of, he does help in that sort of series, you know, yeah, both course. defensively and offensively. I'm not, I don't think it, I think we're getting a little ahead of ourselves to start matching up with Denver in the NBA, <laughs> but not finals. Boston, but not Boston, but not Boston, of course. And that's, but that, that's an argument to be made to trade for anybody, you know, for the, for Boston, because they have, they have guys everywhere. Um, I'm not, you know, I just don't look at Tobias Harris from Tobias to Pascal as such an upgrade that I would spend two first round picks on it. And I think that's what he's going to cost. And so could you arrange, you know, and it's also dangerous to go, okay, we're not trading Tobias in this trade. We're trading Marcus Morris, Robert Covington, Korkmaz, Springer, and two first round picks for Siakam. And then you're, you're, you move Batum to the bench probably. And your and your lineup is Maxi Melton, Tobias, Siakam, Embiid, with Ubre, Bebo, Paul, Pat Bev for a, a point guard you pick up in a different trade, Batum, and that's your nine. It's interesting, it but I, I also get scared of a Tobias Siakam um, jab step off where neither <laughs> of them uh, is willing to take is both in a bad mo- mood of catch and shoot threes. So that's my concern. I, I don't disagree with like that. He would be helpful defensively and helpful in transition and all that stuff. Like absolutely. Um, and if him and nurse have a good relationship that they, that he feels like he can make that work then, then for sure. Um, it's just the kind this trading for Siakam is, is almost exactly like trading for Tobias five years ago because he's an ex- big expiring contract that is going to cost a max deal. So if you trade for him, like, you almost you're have either, to sign him. You're either trading two first round picks yeah. for a half season rental, or you're saying we're pot committed and signing this guy. And maybe you can convince him to not take a max max because other guys once once he's here, other teams won't really have max money to throw at him in free agency, right? Mm-hmm. So you trade for him, and then you go like, okay, we have money to to sign you, but we don't. But nobody else really does unless you want to go to a bad team. So can we convince you to take like 30 to 35 million a year as Pascal? So then they can they can still improve the core around him, Maxi, and Embiid. It's interesting. I think that's a, maybe a bad way to negotiate with with a player. Like it's a kind of a bad taste in your mouth type of thing. If you trade for Siakam and then say, like, well, we're only giving you this much, and that risks souring it. Yep. Um but if that's if that's where it goes to, or if that's what if there's like some pre-negotiating that could happen um, to where that that would be cool with everybody, that's certainly interesting. Um, to me, as my, as good as I do think Siakam is a solid player, I'm pretty middle of the road on him. I'm not like high or low, um, and I do think his like creation for others and creation for Maxi would be nice. Um, but I it would also be really nice to get a really excellent shooter off of the Maxi Embiid pairing. Mm-hmm. Um, what if you got Gary Trent too? Yeah, Gary Trent would be interesting for sure. Yeah. 
And then final, well, I, think, I think him and I think Gary Trent and Nick Nurse do not get along. Oh, really? I thought I think that might be. I may be making it up, but it's it's sort of wedged in my mind somewhere that I, I think there's there's beef there. I love Gary Trent. I like him better than he is. He's one of those yeah. guys. Hey, hey, we look. I loved Gary Harris for a long time. Like those solid, exactly one position, two guards yes. that have like a very like north south jumper that yep. rise up quickly and that are willing shooters. It's hard to it's hard to argue with that. And then final one, we we've gotten a few different, and I th- think we probably brought him up before, but now that this team keeps sinking it's probably worth bringing up again this came from brian the theme of star hunting has been that aside from drew holiday which will torment us for years uh if the celtics win the title they're no perfect or even great realistic fits in the trade market so after talking yourself out of 31 different players on 14 different teams it's time to revisit what might end up being the best option clay thompson He's on an expiring deal, so Daryl can keep his off-season cap space and the cost shouldn't be too high. He's still a great shooter who doesn't need the ball to be effective and gives Embiid and Maxi more space to operate. He brings some much-needed size to the backcourt and allows Melton to bolster the bench. Yes, he is a shell of his former self, but he also has more big game experience than any other available player. I'd be nervous about most of the stars mentioned yet not being playoff tested. So now that the Warriors continue to flounder, Let's say the price is a first-round pick, Jaden Springer and Tobias Harris for salary. No, not a chance. You wouldn't not rather chance. have Clay Thompson on the court than Tobias Harris. Not for the not. That's not the pick. That's not the move I make. Hmm. That's not the move that makes them a, a legitimate contender. Not a chance. If you could tell me that you could get him for Morris, Covington, Springer, and and a pick, then and you have this other deal lined up that could get you something, and you sort of like piecemeal it together. Then yeah, maybe. I also don't think that the that the Warriors would do that. I think that they are going to be more willing to trade literally anybody else but Clay midseason. Um, not not Steph, obviously. But uh but yeah, there's like the the previous caller talking about how the Sixers aren't big enough. Like going from Tobias to Clay is Tobias right now is probably a better defender than Clay, or at least a more versatile one. Um and can can defend up a little bit, whereas Clay is pretty slow footed these days. His hips are tight, not moving as much, all that stuff. By the way, we have wow, we have <laughs> response from Maury on his AI generated image as to who is who. Quote. This is from Daryl Morey, president of basketball operations for the Philadelphia 76ers on sure. Twitter, responding to our pod Twitter account. Quote. The guy with the pretentious, quote, I am a cool Hollywood writer hoodie is, and is dipping lower is Mike. Spike couldn't get that low with his bad hip. I, he, while, while I like the comment about Spike not being able to get the low with his bad hip, like neither guy looks like either of us. That is not. But he Darryl is saying is that you are into, the guy on the right. Which only makes me, validates me more for how <laughs> stupid fucking AI is thinking that that's what, A, that's what a cool Hollywood writer looks like, that Daryl has any sense of what a cool Hollywood writer looks like. Wow. CJ? Which which hip, Spike, did you get operated on? My right hip. Your right hip? Yeah. Okay, that's fair. Because in this, it, it, the left hip doesn't look like for the for the, mic is, the guy right on the right. the right hip is lower. The yeah, right yeah. hip is lower. Yeah, that that is sure. fair. Yeah. Only validates me of how how bad AI is and how worthless this whole thing is. Wow, your AI overlords are not going to be happy to hear that. Great, yeah. Great. The rights to Ricky's Edge as podcast so is brought stupid. to 
is brought to you by Cornblow and Cornblow, the official law firm of the process. Have you been wronged by a basketball president of operations yes. making defaming AI images of you on the internet? Absolutely. And I have a better ass than that guy. Let's see. CJ? Ass to ass? Yeah. I kind of... CJ bringing it up again? Oh, he's doing it. So there's that guy's ass. Mike, can you stand he has, up? He has nothing. <laughs> there's nothing. He's packing nothing back there. Absolutely not. Yeah. Not ready for Mike's jelly. AI is not. Very close. Yeah. Cornblow and Cornblow is the official law firm of the process. You hear and see a lot of advertising for personal injury law firms. I'm telling you, you should ignore all of them, but this one. Every other one you see is you're not even getting that lawyer. What happens is these, these personal injury lawyers from different states who cannot even practice law in the state that you're in take out advertising in that state and make it sound like they're there. And then when you call, you just get a referral service. So even if you like the lawyer in the commercial, you're not even getting that person. Sounds like bullshit, right? That's why you go to the premier boutique personal injury law firm in the Delaware Valley. That is Cornblow and Cornblow over 40 years of getting results for people treating people the right way, and most importantly, being the person in the commercial. So if you have been injured in any way, like many rights Ricky Sanchez listeners, you have to reach out to Adam. You will get Adam. You'll get the person that you're hearing about. Call 215-576-7200 and ask for Adam. Injured at work, car accidents, slip and fall, maybe their specialty, which is medical malpractice. They have some of the biggest results in Southeastern PA and once you make contact, you don't even, they've got offices all over the Delaware Valley. He'll come to you. How about that? Or email cornblow at cornblow and cornblow.com. K-O-R-N-B-L-A-U. Cornblow at cornblow and cornblow.com. Cornblow and cornblow, the official law firm of the process. Before we get to our, what's it called? Our, uh, our. More, more proposals? Mailbag. No, no other proposals. But who knows what happened here? A old friend of the Ricky was overseas and was able to flash some pictures. Now, as you know, the Brooklyn Nets played the Cleveland Cavaliers in Paris, and Ben Simmons has not played since like the second week of the season with a back injury that they keep checking in on, and he keeps saying he is unable to play. He continues to ramp up. He did make the trip to Paris, and we were able to see right here. Had to do it to him. Danny Green <laughs> Here we go. He's he's warming up for some reason. He does have a his his showing up to the game fit, wearing all black because the Cavs are. It's a funeral for the Cavs. Oh, there he is. His other all black fit with his black turtleneck and black suit. And then, oh, here he's on the cell phone with his his fashion jacket in Paris. Here he is just laughing it up with being one of the guys. And finally him looking at his phone while the Eiffel Tower is in the background. Pretty good. Yeah. He seems like somebody who's... The Nets fans have, have turned on this um, around enough of them. It is so funny to see him have... like It's not funny that he has like an injury or whatever, but the fact that it does not stop him from... It really fl- doesn't. From styling, flashing his ice, acting completely fine. This is part of my 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 podcast long uh opinion and really one of my prevailing ones that people should feel more embarrassed yes and, and he should and he should feel more embarrassed he should, there should be more shame yeah about doing this when 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 he hasn't played 
and might not play and all that stuff. Speaking yeah. of French, though, we didn't talk about Batum. Five for five from the field. Oh, four yeah. for four from deep after we said he only makes crazy threes, none of the normal ones. Yeah. He did hit a couple of normal ones last night, which is great. And he Guarded. really will throw one beautiful entry pass yeah. per night where like God shines down through the he, Wells Fargo Center. He threw one to Paul, wasn't he it? He threw one to Paul, Paul a quick yeah. like baseline, like into the dunker spot. B-ball actual dunks it. It was him and I mean Batum and B-ball have a little bit of a chem- chemistry going, mm-hmm. which is a a, a a rare and random pairing. So I'm, that'll be something I'm watching out for the rest of the season. I lo- I love Batum, man. I I any article that talks about the Sixers like will they have cap space to do this and sign their free agents like Tobias Harris and uh D'Anthony De- Melton whatever. Like Batum has to be on there. He is he is maybe the third most important player on this team. You know what the, watching him play defense is pretty fascinating because from afar he actually looks like Horford sometimes when I see him on the court. He's built well, sort of like a, there was a thing where he got confused for Horford in the oh, streets one day. I, think. I didn't know that. I'm pretty sure that's who it was. I didn't know that. Well, he... So he... CJ, was that who... Someone got confused for Horford in know. Boston. I don't know. I might be mixing him up with somebody else. But I see. I understand why you say that. Yeah. So so anyway... So anyway, watching him play defense is amazing because he does not have the foot speed to keep up with guards. Like yesterday he was guarding De'Aaron Fox a little bit. Well, nobody has a foot speed. I know, I know, but this isn't a negative thing. He doesn't, he should not be guarding. He yeah. should not, given his physical attributes, he should not be able to be guarding those those guys. But he has this like calm and, it, and wherewithal and intelligence where he just doesn't really commit to anything. And sort of like they're doing their, like they're cooking or whatever. And he's really just sort of like standing there watching them. And as they go to go by him, he just takes one step to the way that they're going. And it, it's just like an outrageous example of how much defense is, physical attributes obviously help, but how much defense is is mental and thinking. It's just, it's amazing to watch him that way. Well, he's also very long and his long arms help like with deflections knocking the ball away if you know if a guard who's faster than him beats him to a spot he can still recover um and 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 get a block there he runs with those little choppy legs he just all this every every run is choppy there's no I, I bet he takes like for his size some of the shortest strides in the league um he is not as i tend to like a bobby abreu type glider he is a <laughs> choppy yeah rough run and i like it he's almost like big isaiah pacheco um and he just moves man i love him i love i love watching him play defense i love making him the right watching make the right plays he he can he does these little like screen the screen <laughs> by the way the, f- the first and last time anyone will ever compare nick batum and isaiah pacheco i love it i'm on, i'm i'm i'll stand by it and uh he does his little like screen the screener things where he can like pop up like straight to the top of the key or right to the corner while while another action is coming. And so the defense can't really react to both. And so if it's Maxi driving or Embiid or something like that, then Batum cuts at a very like, let's say abnormal time for him to make that cut. And the defense can't react to both things happening at the same time. And then either uh, that opens up the shot for Maxi or Embiid or that, that then gives Batum like a wide open three if they kick it out to him. It's He's just a really heady player and like a unique kind of player. And, and really like when he was... Younger and one of the 
you know, number one, number two guys with LaMarcus Aldridge in Portland. Like, this isn't what he was like. Like, it was much more almost like Chris Middleton action from him back when he was that, you know, a, a primary option. And he's turned himself into, and, and, the, and the weakness was like, oh, he's not really, he's not strong enough. He's not physical enough as a defender. And he's really transformed his game in a nice way. And I, and I love this kind of role player, man. I love him. I mean, he has been just one of the best, like sort of that kind of additions they've had in the history of the basketball team, maybe the best so far. Yeah. Well, that we, this summer, you know, we haven't talked too much about the guys that, they, that the Sixers let go, like Shake and Niang and yep. Jalen McDaniels, who all are pretty, to, to varying degrees, playing pretty poorly, um, which it's, you know, not, I like those guys, so I'm not happy to see them play poorly, but it's nice to see the Sixers make like the right decision about a, a player leaving um, but at the time it was frustrating this off season because it was like, are they going to sign anyone at all aside from just Mo Bamba and Papev? But getting these guys back in the Harden deal really filled out their, uh, bench rotation, role player rotation in a way that has allowed them to survive that. And, and was ultimately, they're ultimately vindicated for, for letting those guys walk. Absolutely. And honestly, like it, I, I think a lot of times, you know, Shake hadn't played well in a, in a while. Like we've been waiting for him to return to the January, 2020 shake for forever, but somebody like Niang like shows how valuable Embiid is, you know, that, that players who play around him can be their best selves because of him. And Yang is just somebody who, just shows if you are a willing and good three-point shooter, what sort of career you can have playing around Embiid, you know? Yeah, and to give him a little slack, like the Cavs have been so injured that he are, he isn't, like, you know, there's a chance that with Garland and Mitchell and Mobley and Allen all healthy and Niang is the fifth guy there, that he could have been getting similar open looks that he was getting in Philly. That's not the case because they're not healthy. Um, but yeah, I mean, and that's and that's why you see with with, the the role players I was talking about this on Twitter, but like the Embiid for years, right? We've been talking about like build around Embiid. Like why are they not built? Why they're building around Simmons or they're they're getting Horford in there, and that's not helpful to Embiid. Like these kinds of the things that they were doing over the over the years, and obviously he was still succeeding because of it. But it was never like a we are making Joel the the center of gravity for every single thing that we do. Um, and you could argue Harden was helpful to that. But it was also taking the ball out of his hands a lot um, because Harden was not a willing catch and shoot three point shooter. But now this team with Maxi turning into the guy he's become, being able to be on ball and get pressure on the rim, but also be such a good catch and shoot three point shooter off of him, um, and then all the role players around them. Is, this is the first time that we are seeing a. This is what a Joel team looks like. Like nobody else. Like there's not anything happening in service of anybody else. This is a Joel basketball team, and everyone is there to to be the planets around the Joel sun. And I think that's why you see when, when Joel's out, they are the least successful team at surviving sure. his absences. Same thing happened to LeBron teams forever. Those yeah. Cleveland LeBron teams were a disaster when he wasn't there because everything revolved around him. Yeah. From right to Ricky Sanchez at gmail.com. This comes from Ben. 
basketball question. I've watched two separate halves of games this season and generally find it harder and harder to watch regular season NBA for whatever reason. I still listen to and watch the pods, but at this point, I only have time and disappointment enough for one team, and that's, of course, the pesky Eagles. Having said that, with my extremely detailed reading of ESPN standings and box score, I've come to the realization that we must all accept. The Clippers have a better shot at reaching the finals this year than the Sixers. I know the Nuggets and the Thunder exist, but if healthy, the Clippers team is going deeper than this iteration of the Sixers. Both the Bucks and the Celtics, the latter especially, are not going to lose to Sixers as constructed or even with adding a marginal piece or two via trade. But there's a real world where the Clippers can hang with and even beat the top teams in the West. That said, I'm still, of course, incredibly glad Harden is gone, but I can't help but think Maury has effectively wasted another three years, four after this season of, of Embiid's prime, with this team having gone no further than it did during the Colangelo crime family's reign. What are your thoughts? Um, oh, go ahead. You first. I was going to say that the, there's, two, there's two parts of this question. The Sixers, as constructed, if they do not make a trade, I would probably agree that the Clippers have a chance of going further um, because of... If the if the West shakes out right, you know, um, the Clippers are a better team because those guys are healthy, where they hadn't been in the past. If Kawhi and Paul George were healthy any of the previous seasons, they also would have had a good chance at getting way deep into the playoffs. Now they've been good with Harden for sure. Um, I. I'm absolutely skeptical as to how far, how long that will last. But, and, and especially like when teams take away the easy stuff, um, they're extremely well coached in a way that the Sixers were not last year. If they, the Sixers have room to acquire a big piece, right? So if the Sixers as is versus the Clippers as is, like I would agree with probably the Clippers. But, the Sixers have room to add a bigger piece and make that flip. Whereas the Clippers could really only add like trading Terrence Mann for, you know, Royce O'Neal or something. So I would still take probably because I know the Sixers are going to make a trade. I would still probably take the Sixers going deeper. Um, but the Clippers have been good. And, and, and after a really, really tough start around those guys, Ty Lue has absolutely figured it out and they're playing really good basketball. I, I would wonder if anyone knows that James Harden, James Harden's production will just disappear in the playoffs. Like he, and by the way, he is averaging career low points per game, lowest in like eight years assists per game. Um, like I, this is a regular season team. Now you could easily say the same thing of the Sixers given Joel Embiid's history. I just like with the history of James Harden and then the history of injury with Kawhi and Paul George, there's like no way that team's getting to the finals. And I do think the Sixers as constructed could beat the Bucs. I do not think they would beat the Celtics, no. but, but they could absolutely beat the Bucs. The Bucs are not like no, the Bucs are as fraudulent as the Sixers are. I'm sorry. Yeah, but the, but the Sixers as constructed could also like lose to the Pacers. Yes, for sure. Absolutely. But the Clippers as constructed could lose to the Kings. Of course. Yeah. I so. don't think that you can say that a team with Kawhi and Paul George are, is a regular season team. I think both of those guys have been too good in the playoffs for too long to, to say that that's, they can't do it in the playoffs. I, you can obviously say that about Harden. Well, I mean, I health guess I, just, I guess I just trust Ty Lue and the health is a huge concern. One that yeah. we can't, you know, but you can say the same thing about Embiid. Mm -hmm. Um, the, I just trust Tyler to kind of figure it out in some way 
if even if, if Harden has like bad games, what he can't do is have like, you know, catastrophic games, which he he did here, obviously. So what do we got? We got uh, one more voicemail, one more email. 833-LICKFACE is the voicemail. Hey, Spike, Mike, CJ, Daryl. It's calling because after watching the Hawks game the other day, I was thinking about Spike's take he'd said a few years ago about how Trey Young was going to be a way better player than Luka Doncic. And so far, in my opinion, and I believe by a lot of tangible metrics, uh, would prove him uh, extremely wrong. But I know that uh, this will probably get me yelled at, despite it just kind of being the truth. But I wanted to see, Spike, what you actually think of this. Would love to get your updated take on Trey Young versus Luka Doncic. Uh, non-basketball question what's a really bad take that you've had in anything outside of basketball you know it has to be as wrong as spike is about Luka Doncic and Trey Young all right thank you bye so I think on one end you're maybe misinterpreting what I said about Trey Young and uh, uh, Luka I was never like a huge Trey Young guy I would say that the Hawks won the trade and that was the joke I would act, I would say, but like, let's be honest, they've gotten, both guys have gotten the same, have both reached the same point in the playoffs. Trey Young is averaging 30 points, 10 assists and four rebounds every game, like similar to Luca. They both have the same deficiencies. They're both weak defensively. And I'd actually say that Trey Young has probably, um, though he is small, has, has improved more than Luca has. And they both have the other problem is that they're both too ball dominant and the entire team has to revolve around them and it makes it difficult in the playoffs. So until Luca like wins something and doesn't put out the same exact stats he puts up every year, I refuse to say that he is any different than Trey Young, honestly. I think like Luca has been generally overrated. So he's is he better than Trey Young right now? Yes, but like to what end, I think, is is the like Trey Young, I think is actually underrated at this point, and Luca is slightly overrated. Though I think Luca is better than Trey Young. Mm. What is your thought? Yeah, I mean, I think Luca is pretty significantly better. Um, Trey is very, still very good. It's weird that people seem to really not like playing with him. Um, there's a there's a corniness to Trey Young that I haven't seen since like D'Angelo Russell, and it does seem like. God, he just doesn't move much outside of there. And you would think that, you know, there was a lot of Steph comparisons and, and Trey's are really like, he's a, he's a solid shooter and he has range, but he's not a consistent one. And the, the foul baiting is extremely frustrating. And I think way more frustrating than, than, than Embiid's. Um, he just, he just dominates the ball so much and he's, but he's such a good passer. He is such, he is one of the best passers in the league at, he can so easily get turn the corner, even though he's not even that fast. Turn the corner and get get a lob up to whoever, or make the pass, the skip pass to the corner or anything. Um, but they're bad. But the Hawks are bad, and they've been bad aside from the one year that you know Doc and Ben and Matisse gifted gifted them a uh, a, a conference to, finals. To be clear, the Mavs did not make the playoffs last year, for sure. You know, so 
I, I just like, I'm waiting for this that whole thing. Like a, I blame, you know, Kyrie and stuff more than more Well, than but Luka, Kyrie but was only sure. there for the last 20 games of the season, you know? And so... I, yeah, but that went badly. That was the... And he was he was hurt a lot of the time. But like, I, I don't know. I, I just like... The, neither of them, I, I would... Neither of them would be in my like top eight to build a team around. Um, I think defensively, simply being as big as Luca is gives you more rope defensively than being as small as Trey is. There are things that yes. Luca can get away with just because he's he's pretty huge. Yep. And Trey is just so 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 small. And so that is a, a relatively unfair advantage when you compare both guys because any anybody that's built like Luca is going to be more useful than anybody built like Trey. Mm-hmm. I would still I, I don't think it's close. If you want to build a team around one guy, Luca is clearly ahead of Trey. But I don't agree that I don't disagree that Trey is like he's still an excellent excellent player. Offensively, he is a, a, an engine really all to himself. He's terrifying to play against, by the way, and frustrating. Yeah, the- I want them to start honestly like. I want them to start like refereeing him differently so that so he can get shoved around. I mean, you remember that in that series, something about me and like little guards that just like f- flop and flail around. I just want someone to screen him like into oblivion. Like I want, like I want if we, if we play Trey Trey Young in the playoffs again, I, I would want Marcus Morris to like put a put an elbow like firmly up his jaw, just like lodge it in there on a screen or something. I I would be it's so frustrating to play against little guards like that. That you can't touch because the right. Uh Final email. This came from Jamie, right? Ricky Sanchez at gmail.com. Hey, guys, was contemplating today. Sorry, oh, wait. what, what is your worst non-basketball Yeah, I, I was thinking about it. I don't, I have so few areas that I consider myself an expert in. So few. There's people that are like, I'm, I'm the best at music. I'm the best at movies. I'm the best. I know all the stuff. I'm the best at like, I know all the right style i'm like i don't know anything i know like basketball and i guess writing and that is essentially the the extent of the things i would consider myself an expert on and i and i don't try to stray outside of that i would say i mean i've had numerous sports takes over the years i mean i I was very, 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 very anti Nick Foles at the beginning of the Foles versus Vic scenario. Like I repeatedly would do radio shows about how bad he yeah. sucked. I bet and, the listeners would do a better job of telling me what I was wrong about than I yes. Yeah, we write to Ricky Sanchez at gmail.com, write to Ricky sure. Sanchez at gmail.com. For non for non basketball takes, right? That's yes, non basketball takes. I was very wrong about Nick Foles. Nick Foles is like one of my heroes now, obviously. So but I was one hundred percent wrong about him. By the way, I feel like we There's need. A dildo hip. Yes, I feel like we need to do this one. One final one. This came from Philip. Um, non basketball question: Where do you guys stand on bathroom door policy? Myself, I always close the door. No exceptions. Whatever happens in there is for my eyes only. However, between my wife and kids, no one is taking credit. However, somehow an open door policy has developed in our house. I am frequently faced with the sight of other people dropping a deuce with the door wide open. The bathroom is where mostly occurring is where this mostly is where this is mostly occurring happens to be located in the main hallway of our house. It's difficult to avoid and easy to be caught unaware by the sight of someone mid defecation. Am I living with absolute heathens or do I just need to accept that everybody poops and live with it? I think it's, I think 
you're taking a dump, I think the door should be closed. Uh, even if you're home alone, the door should be closed. Sure. I less I'm less strong about that. But I think you're taking a dump, door should be closed. Uh Alyssa is door closed always. On a P, um I'm like hand waving the door closed. I'm like shoving it closed, but not like a firm it's like leaning against it. I'm just like, it's fine. I'll be it's gonna be twenty five seconds. It's fine. Um but yeah. You I mean when you live with guys, the doors the doors open a lot. Really? Open a lot. Yeah. When you live like in like in college or any roommates when I was younger, like it's just there. So I only had I'm trying to think, in college, yes, I had roommates, but I only only had one roommate at a time except for one year. And the, that year the bathroom was not in our room. It was like, you know, communal bathroom. I let me just Philip. You got to lay down the law, buddy. What is going on in your house with everybody pooping with the door open? Well, it depends how old the kids are. If the kids what? are like four, then it's Which like- Which his fun. wife's doing it too. Well, I don't know that he's outing his wife for taking big shits with the door open. Between my wife and kids, no somehow an open door it. policy has developed in our house. Right. It's, well, just, it's it unacceptable. It could be. It's, it's, it could be. It's, I don't know that I'm willing to say that exactly what he's saying. The, but he's saying, know, like, it started open door, and now it's now it's open door, and now my kids are taking big shots. All, all I'm saying is, I'm this to give, is him, give him credit. This is sort of like the in-house version of people that bar- back into parking spots and, when they don't need to. Are you are you looking to make a getaway? Is that why you're not closing the the, the bathroom door? Is it, do you need to leave really quickly? It's just, there's no excuse for it. I back in from time to time. I like a back in <sighs> now and then. Especially at like a, at a, oh. at a busy in a busy place when there's nobody else around, I wouldn't do it if there's a guy behind me or somebody. You know, I'm like stopping traffic to back in. But if nobody else is there, I'm like, yeah, I'll do it back in. Why not? Oh. Awful. Eagles. Just... No AJ Brown. Yeah. Well, I think they're, I think they're probably gonna win. <laughs> I think I'm gonna lose lose my bet. Oh really? Well, good. Because of like, because fuck them. Because they're gonna because fuck them and they're gonna like. Absolutely do this. And I, I don't even know if, what I want to happen because they're obviously so bad. I do want everyone to be fired. I want to just like be move on and not, not have to think about the Eagles in what is shaping up to be like a fun playoffs. But we'll see. We'll see if after Monday I'm uh I'm I've doubled down on my on my Tampa Bay uh season winnings. I know a lot of people have taken AJ Brown's side in his particular behavior over the last several weeks. People aren't going to like this. He should be playing. He walked off the field fine. I don't think he wanted to play in the Giants game. And I don't think he wants to play in this game. And I think he's saying to himself, what am I risking myself for? This team's bullshit anyway. And that sort of speaks for the entire turn that this team has taken i'm not blaming him for the team the turn the team has taken but like i'm sorry like the game isn't until monday why is he ruled out on fucking friday with a with the game when when he could play the following week and we're ruling him out on friday i don't know i'm just smells fishy to me yeah i disagree i think i I think he shouldn't have been playing in that game anyway like the idea that we're gonna like sure he should have 
No, I disagree. I the think advantage of getting of playing your playoff games at home versus on the they road in the NFL fucking is huge. Suck. They've sucked for so long. So they, they should they play. They should learn their that, message. No, they, they should learn should, their lesson by playing. At the very least, they could at least go like, "Hey, we're refreshed. We are. Our legs are back under us. We have a you know, Jalen's knee gets another week to. He doesn't break loser his fucking finger. Behavior. Again. Loser behavior. They were behavior. losing before. They've well, been losers. L- losing to the Giants doesn't make them less of losers. It makes them more of losers. Yeah. Yes, and it is because they played and also failed. Like they, you, you, when you have a chance to get home games in the playoffs, ju- the only thing that had to happen is the Redskins or Washington had to beat the the Cowboys. Cowboys are, have been fraudulent for years. Washington has always liked beating the Cowboys. You have to try. I'm sorry, you have to try. The advantage of having play home games versus road games in the playoffs is worth trying. Not for a team that's bad. Yes, especially for a team that's bad. No, they've been losing home games for two months. They've sucked. The best case scenario is, all right, we get two weeks off. We've manufactured a buy. Now we just have to beat fucking Tampa with rested, healthy guys. That would have been the best case scenario. And... Now Best case scenario because they think they, they thought that we can just coming we out can, there like grown ups and muscle playing it f- together. We can just football our way to being a better team. And it's like, oh, maybe without your best receiver, you're not a better team. Maybe with your quarterback not being able to throw the ball, you're not a better team. It's ridiculous. He he, he wasn't able to throw the ball before his finger got injured. Like 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 he hasn't thrown the ball well for weeks well, and weeks and weeks and weeks and weeks. So give him a week off. Oh, so he cannot play football. That's how you get better is by not playing football. It's to give him a week off. Mm, to fuck get, that guy. Manufacture a bye. They were they sucked last week. It was obvious that they shouldn't have played. It's honestly they shouldn't even play on Monday. They should just go away. Everyone should quit. Horrible team. The best case, the, all you could hope for is not like more footballing yourself into a better scenario. All you could hope for is maybe two weeks off for our veterans would have given them a better chance to be fresh against a very beatable Tampa team. But they decided to do football brain and now they're going to lose even worse because they're missing their best players. It's not football brain. It's, it's sports brain. You want a home game over a road game. I'm sorry. Not when you, not when you suck. Yes. When, even when you suck. Doesn't matter. R- actually, they were, they're, they're going to get, even the, even the Eagles have said like <laughs> We don't want the the crowd really boos us a lot. They're very quick no, with the that, boo. No, that's not actually not the Eagles. It's the other guy who decided to have knee surgery, like right in the middle of the most crucial stretch of games in it, which is Darius Slay, which is another guy who, like, what are you doing? That's that is surgery you have after the year, not in the middle of the year. They're a very very bad team. The only thing they could have hoped for was being fresh against a bad team that they could beat, but now they're hurt no. and worse. No, no. Like AJ, I'm sorry. I think you're wrong. Um, they lost by so much to the Giants. <laughs> they got demolished by the Giants playing those guys. Yes, but that is not a reason not to play. Then they shouldn't have played those guys against anybody. Then they shouldn't have played them against Dallas because they, they they're because they're not good. Well, like I think there's a different scenario of that of several like a month and a half ago versus the last game of the season when you're either going to play Tampa Bay or you're going to, you need two things to happen. You need to both beat the giants and you need this, Dallas to lose. This is the game theory strategy. Uh, this is the game theory version of, of that play wasn't the right one because it didn't work. No, like I said it, it beforehand. They, they, they have been so bad. I've been betting against the Eagles. They are so bad. The only advantage they could have hoped for is we are more rested than you. 
No, the and other advantage they could have hoped for is a home is two home playoff games. That doesn't which fucking is, matter. When it the, does the matter. Whole, whole crowd knows that they suck. I'm and sorry. Are, it does rooting matter. Rooting against them because they suck so bad. It does matter. It, it 100 matters. It doesn't. It does. If they were, if they had won, if they had been healthy enough or whatever, like if the fans believe them, they would come to Tampa. It's Tampa. Philly people come to Tampa all the time. It's not, it's not a fucking... And do you know why they're not coming to Tampa? Because they suck! Because they got their asses kicked by the Giants because, because they Because they losers. played their starters who suck. No, are, are you, you can't say they lost because they played their starters. It's ridiculous. No, you, you're, they should have cared you're, about yes, the game. Your, your, your reasoning is that you want the starters who you already think suck to be healthy. It doesn't make any sense. No, I want them to at least have a little bit more refreshing play. Their bones are not broken AJ Brown's not going to play because they play. He's not going to play because he doesn't want to play. That's ridiculous. It's not ridiculous. It happens all the time. It happens all the time. Yeah, I'm sure AJ Brown doesn't want to play in a playoff game. He doesn't want to play. He didn't want to play last week. He doesn't want to play this week. This is true. It's true. Sirianni's dumb. He's been coaching on tilt for like a fucking two months. Okay. Well, and and AJ Brown has been actively trying to disrupt uh, disrupt conversation around the team for 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 a month. Ridiculous. He came wow. back. He li- he didn't talk for weeks, and they lied when he came back. Like ev- everything about it, it's uh, horseshit. Also, as someone in the chat says, playing playing them in MetLife Stadium that breaks everybody's legs. Everybody's getting everybody fucking dies on that fucking field. It's a well, it's just a joke. It's a, didn't it's, see Tyrod Taylor dying as he was fucking lighting them up the entire game. Um, you know, like like it, the the problem was not the turf. Like I, I'm sorry, it just wasn't. The problem was they they are losers. That is the yes, problem. and they should have at least been healthier losers. No, I'm sorry. Great. Well, at least we at least we displayed a winning culture last week. Good stuff. Yeah, culture culture is nothing at all. <laughs> like they've been bad for so long. It doesn't mean you like Dallas won by a lot anyway. Like no, nope, again, that is that is what happened. Da- you you, could, do, you don't agree was, that Dallas, Dallas could have lost very, to Washington? Of course they could have, but it okay. Was very well, then, 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 like, then there's no like there's not even a, there's not even like a conversation here. If we oh, agree man. that Dallas could lose to Washington, you have to play your starters. That's it. Anybody That's it. could lose to anybody. No, Why, but like, even ch- more in this situation, you have to play your starters until you're sure that they're not winning. You have to. You have to. And and the starters should want to play, which is what AJ Brown didn't yeah, want. Yeah, they to should do. want to play, and the coaches should say, "No, this we are we are focused on the playoffs, and we'll beat whoever's in front of us, and we want to make sure everybody's healthy and rested for it." Okay. And what about players that get hurt during practice? Should you not have them practice as well? No, of course that happens. You can't put them oh. in bubble wrap, but you can you can avoid playing them in a full contact game on a horrible field oh. where multiple people got hurt. Then they shouldn't play any games. They should just hope that that they're somehow can default their way to the playoffs. That's what I'm saying. Yeah. Sixers play Monday versus the Rockets and then Tuesday versus the Nuggets. And you are of the position that Embiid plays Tuesday and not Monday? That would be my guess. Yeah. TNT over NBA TV and Nuggets over Rockets was my call coming off of a win against the Kings. I would say probably Tuesday, give give them another day. And by the way, I don't want to, what's it called? I, I also want him to do that because I don't want to hear the Joel chose to play against the Rockets and didn't choose to play against the Nuggets. For sure. Save me from that. Please keep that as well. We will talk to you next time. Are you down with TTP? Yeah. You. No. Like face. If you don't fuck with me, then I won't fuck with you. If you don't fuck with me, 